Happy Easter and good morning to all of you. My name is Stuart Mazel. I'm the lead pastor here. If I haven't met you, I am really looking forward to hopefully meeting you after the service. And if not, then that's okay. But thank you for being here today. Also want to thank all those who are joining us online and listening to our podcast. Thank you for uh, joining us in the way that you can. Uh, Today we are talking about uh, Jesus' resurrection. Some time ago I was reading through the Gospel of John and I came to chapter 20, which is what we're going to be looking at today. And I came across this one phrase that just really stood out to me. He must rise from the dead. And it had me thinking a lot about why. Why did he have to rise from the dead? And, and so it, it got me thinking and praying and preparing for this today. And that doesn't mean this is going to be a great sermon. I'm just going to put that out there. It is, I'm not saying this is going to be my A-game, all right? But I am saying that sometime in the past, I started thinking about this and preparing for this because I really thought that so often we talk about the evidences for the resurrection or talking about what the resurrection means for us. But very rarely do we talk about why the resurrection had to happen. So, from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, this is God's word. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, and he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the Scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Let's pray. Uh, Holy Spirit, we're asking today that you will give us eyes that will see and ears that will hear and hearts that will receive what you are saying to your church today. To all who are gathered here today, we ask that you would be at work in each and every heart. Whether they are a believer who has been seasoned for years and years, or someone who doesn't believe, or anywhere in between, Would you be at work in all of us to give us what we need to hear today? Encourage us, challenge us, and empower us 
We pray in the name of Jesus and for his glory along with the Father and you, Holy Spirit, our one true God. Amen. Here's a question for you. Have you ever run across a sign that seemed to be unnecessary? Oh, somebody, somebody jumped the gun. That's okay. Yeah, here's one. Now, most signs serve a useful purpose, like a stop sign at a crossroads. Or, I came across this sign one time, and not, not, not this sign that you're seeing, but another sign, uh, no swimming, alligators. And I thought, well, thank you for letting me know that, because I will never swim in that pond if there are alligators there. But there are some signs like this one that are not that useful. In fact, they seem completely unnecessary. Is it really necessary to tell people that peanuts contain peanuts? I don't think it is. Or what about this one? Warning, battery has been removed. Well, of course it's been removed, it's not there. Batteries don't just get up and walk on their own, so of course someone had to remove it. And then my favorite of these signs is this one. <laughs> it's a little confusing because it says it's not in use, but it is in use telling you it's not in use, and that starts to make my head hurt. There are all kinds of unnecessary signs out there. But today we want to talk about a sign that was absolutely necessary. In fact, it's more than just a necessary sign. It was a necessary historic event. It was a necessary turning point in history. It was a necessary moment that changed the world. And of course we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus. You see, the resurrection of Jesus was necessary. It was necessary. It isn't just some kind of icing on the cake of the story of Jesus. It is and was necessary. Again, going back to John uh, 20, Mary Magdalene, she goes to the tomb of Jesus. He's not there. So she runs to tell Simon, Peter, and John, and she tells them, and they both run to the tomb. And just as an aside, I love how John has to include, but I beat Peter there. That's the way guys are. Everything's a competition. When they get there, they see that the tomb is empty. And then there's this interesting line, which I already mentioned in verse 9. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So there are lots of reasons why Jesus had to rise from the dead. One reason is right there in verse 9. For as yet they did not understand the scripture. You see, the scriptures had to be fulfilled. God breathed out the scriptures, and the God who cannot lie, whatever he says, it has to come about. And if he says Jesus was going to rise from the dead, it had to happen. So that's one, but we're not going to harp on that today. It's just I'm mentioning it. There's a second one, though. Oh, sorry. And we also see this in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4, which we read earlier today. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, 
that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The scriptures had to be fulfilled and therefore Jesus had to rise from the dead. But again, that's not what we're going to really focus on today. A second reason is that, and I want you to hear this, especially those of you who have been Christians in the South for a while. If Jesus had died and stayed in the tomb, there would be no salvation. None. I'm going to say it strong. It is not enough that Jesus died for our sins. It is not enough. If all he did was die on the cross, and that was it, and he stayed in the tomb, there is no salvation. And if you don't believe me, at least believe what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. You know what I never want to happen for me? For my preaching to be in vain. For all the work that I put into a sermon or, and, and proclaiming the truth and then to find out one day that it's in vain, that would be horrible. It would tear me apart. I don't know if I could survive it. And Paul is saying, if Christ has not been raised, if he simply died and was buried and that was it, his preaching is in vain. My preaching is in vain. And your faith is in vain. And then he says it even stronger in verse 15, uh, sorry, verse 17 of chapter 15. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. You're still in your sins. So yeah, one of the reasons Jesus had to rise from the dead it had to happen, it was necessary for it to happen, is God's plan of salvation would not be complete without it. It simply would not. And so, I'm just going to add this little tidbit. This really isn't the point of the sermon, but I just want to say this. Let's do away, Christians, with the, what's the gospel? Jesus died for my sins talk. Yeah, he died for your sins. But if that was it, there is no salvation. Jesus died for your sins and he rose from the dead. And that is what brings you salvation. Okay? Let's stop with this truncating of the good news of Jesus. It would not be good news if he did not rise from the dead. Do you hear me? I know you're Presbyterians, but at least give me a little feedback on that. Do you hear me? Okay, thank you. But we're not, going to even, we're not even going to harp on that today as much as I want to. No, well, we're going to harp on today the reason why Jesus had to rise. It was necessary. It had to happen is this. The resurrection of Jesus demonstrated his identity as the Son of God. The resurrection of Jesus demonstrated his identity as the Son of God. I don't know if you know this or not, but lots of people have claimed to be a Son of God over history. In fact, during 
Jesus' day when he was living in Israel. There was an emperor when Jesus was born. His, the emperor's name was Caesar Augustus. And you know what he liked to say about himself? That he was the son of God. That was what he said. And then his stepson, Tiberius, although he shied away from it more than what uh, Augustus did, he also used the phrase son of God about himself. In fact, several Roman emperors <clears throat> during the first century claimed to be the son of God. And in that context, here walks Jesus claiming, no, I'm the son of God. His disciples saying, no, Caesar is not the son of God. Jesus is the son of God. And you wonder why they were persecuted. Why they were thrown to animals. Because they were saying blasphemy according to the Roman Empire. Because there was this whole emperor worship cult going on that people had to worship Caesar. They had to call him Lord. And they were saying, and the, and the disciples and the, and the Christians, they were saying, no, 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 no. Jesus is Lord. No, you need to say that Caesar is the Son of God. No, Caesar is not the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. And they saw that as rebellion against the empire. And we see this idea that Jesus is demonstrated to be the Son of God in a passage that we confess today from Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. This is what the passage actually looks like. It's Paul, he's writing it, and he says, I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. Christ, that's the Messiah, the long-awaited one who is going to bring in a kingdom that would never end. Paul's a servant of that Messiah, called to be an apostle, to talk about this Jesus to everybody around him, set apart for the gospel of God, that is the good news, which he promised beforehand through the prophets and the Holy Scripture. So God had been saying all of this even before the New Testament was written concerning his son. And then we see this phrase, who was descended from David according to the flesh. So if you go down his genealogy, you can see there's a connection to King David. Verse 4, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. The resurrection is a declaration that God the Father, through the Holy Spirit, was saying to all of us, this is my son, and I'm proving it by him coming out of the grave. Because let, let, let's, let's admit this. You've never been to a graveyard and seen someone get up out of the grave. You've never done that. Not in real life maybe in a zombie movie, but you've never seen that because it just doesn't happen. And the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and was seen by witnesses, it was something that should shake the very foundation of who we are. Wait a second. Someone actually came back to life? 
And that shows that he really is the Son of God. I know that in a, in, a, in a crowd this size, there may be some who don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And, and I get that. And I, I just want to say this. You owe it to yourself to investigate the claim that Jesus rose from the dead. Because if he really did rise from the dead, that is a life-changing moment, a history-changing moment. And you don't want to be on the wrong side of that. You really want to take that seriously. So don't leave here today thinking, eh, that's just what those Christians say. If what I'm saying is true, it is of vital importance for you to understand that Jesus really did rise from the dead. After all, in Philippians 2, we read these words, Therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and even under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I I don't know about you, But I don't want to be there on a last day, on judgment day, and have to look at Jesus and go, okay, I don't really want to bow the knee to you, but I will because I know your Lord. I'd much rather bow the knee to him today, willingly, because I know he's the resurrected Lord. So the resurrection is a declaration that Jesus really is who he said he was. That he really is the Son of God, raised from the dead, and God proved it through that resurrection. And this means his resurrection calls us to believe all he has said. That's your next point. This this means that his resurrection calls us to believe all he has said. Look, if I came up to you on the streets of Sumter and I said, I'm the Son of God, worship me, you would probably think, he's a kook. He's a nut. But if someone does that and then they rise from the dead, you'd at least go, huh, huh, maybe I should have listened to this guy because something's going on, right? And Jesus said some pretty strong words, right? Throughout his ministry, he said some pretty powerful things. Like, for example, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but in John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, if some rando comes up to you and says that, you're not going to go, oh, well, you must be the way to God. You're going to think, you're, 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 you are foolish. You're a crazy person. But if someone rises from the dead, you would at least go, huh, huh, maybe I should consider this. And that's what Jesus did. Not only did he say these words, he rose from the dead. 
I told my Sunday school class this morning that I've been, I, I don't know exactly why, but I, God has me reading through um, what, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. That's Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And I've been reading through that every day this month and just letting the words wash over me. Just thinking about Jesus. Thinking about what he said. And one line just has been hitting hard. It's probably the statement that Jesus says that is the most challenging and upsetting thing that Jesus has ever said. It's this. Verses 21 and 23, 21 through 23 of Matthew 7. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, on the day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works, many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Again, if that was a post on social media, almost all of us would just go, you know what, let's unfollow that guy. Because he's got a few screws loose. But when it comes from the Lord of lords and the King of kings, the one who rose from the dead, then suddenly it starts to make, like, oh, he's saying that not everybody who calls him Lord actually enters the kingdom of heaven. There are a lot of people who say Jesus is Lord, but they don't really see him as Lord. It's just words. Their lips praise him, but their hearts are far from him. And that's what Jesus is saying. And some of those people will be ministers. They're prophesying. They're speaking God's word to people, like I'm doing right now. Some of those people will be casting out demons in the name of Jesus. Some of those people will be doing many mighty works, and Jesus is still going to say to them, I'm sorry, I did not know you. Now you're thinking, I thought this was an Easter sermon. It's supposed to make us feel good. Now, I don't want to make you feel good. I want you to hear the truth. The truth that Jesus is the risen Lord and whatever he says is truth. And we we need to stop playing games with Jesus. If we really believe that Jesus rose from the dead, that he really is the Son of God who came to save sinners, and he is the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, then we cannot say, Lord, Lord, and then do our own thing. That's ignoring the fact that he really rose from the dead. You hear me? Now I know those words were hard 
Those are hard words. But Jesus also said some very encouraging things that we need to, we need to believe the same way that the resurrected Jesus is telling us the truth when he says things like this. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That's true. If you believe in Jesus, if you're trusting in him, even when you die, he will make sure that you live. And we can bank on that. Or take this one, for example, John 6, 37. All that the Father has given me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Remember that passage we just read about how some people are going to say, Lord, Lord, but they don't really know Jesus. Jesus doesn't really know them. They didn't really come to Jesus. You know how I know? Because Jesus says this, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. I think those folks were more busy about, look at me, I'm casting out demons. Look at me, I'm prophesying. Look at me, I'm doing great works. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And they didn't really care a bit about Jesus. They really come. They didn't say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need your death and your resurrection to save me. Save me, Jesus. They didn't do that. They just hopped on the bandwagon of the power of Jesus, and they thought that they could do their thing, and everybody would praise them. Jesus says, whoever comes to me, even if your sins are so deep, and so ugly and so nasty that you, would dare, you wouldn't dare whisper it out loud to another human being. Jesus says, if you come to me, I won't cast you away. This is why I came into the world, to save sinners. This is why I died and rose from the dead, to give you life. So come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and Jesus will give you rest, the rest of salvation, the rest of forgiveness of your sins, the rest of a new life, the rest of being a new creation, the rest of knowing that your destiny is settled and secure. Because again, Jesus says in John 10, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, I will give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one. In other words, once Jesus gets a hold of you, he's not letting go. And he will never let go. And he will be with you forever. If Jesus really did rise from the dead, then all of these things are true. All of these things that he said, because he's proved that he's really the Son of God, the God who never lies, and so he is his spokesperson, and he speaks on behalf of God, and he's saying, all that I'm saying is true. Believe me for eternal life. And so our action point for today is this. 
Let's bow the knee. Let's bow the knee in everything to the risen Lord Jesus. If Jesus really did rise from the dead, and and we're saying that he did, then there's no playing around with religion. There's no cultural Christianity. There's no, forgive me for saying this on Easter Sunday, there's no Easter and Christmas Christians. There's no half-hearted discipleship. There's no saying one thing with our mouth and then living a completely different life. That's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is, all right, Jesus, you're king, you're Lord, you you were raised from the dead for my salvation. I know I have nothing to bring to the table except my sin. Save me and make me yours forever. And when I mess up, forgive me and pick me back up and show me the way. It's total reliance on Jesus. Not, look at me, I'm casting out demons. Look at me, I'm preaching the gospel. Look at me, I'm doing great works. No, it's, Jesus, I need you. I've got nothing except for you. Is that where you are today? Are you one of those ones who today you're bowing the knee to Jesus and you're saying, Jesus, you're everything. I'm nothing. I need you. Take me as I am. If that's where you are, great. If that's not where you are, I just would ask again, you owe it to yourself to really think through who this Jesus claims to be and what the resurrection says about him. If you believe Jesus really rose from the dead, it would be a terrible thing to ignore that. Instead, we bow the knee and we proclaim him as Lord. One thing I do want to say before we close the sermon, and and it's because... I know when we're talking about something as miraculous as the resurrection from the dead, I know there are going to be people who like, okay, I want to believe that, but it just sounds too good to be true. It just sounds like, you know, how can that be true? Like, you you said it yourself, Stuart, no one actually rises from the dead. I've never seen that happen. Scientifically, it can't be proven. So what do I do with my doubts, Stuart? What do I do? If I have doubts about the resurrection of, of Jesus, what do I do with those? Well, if Jesus really did rise from the dead, and he really is King of kings and Lord of lords, and we're to bow to knee in everything to him, then we take our doubts to him. And we say, Lord Jesus, I believe, help me to overcome my unbelief. I need you. I want to believe. I'm just not all the way there yet. Help me to believe. Help me to trust you. Help me to land where I need to land so that even my doubts 
are reshaped by your grace and your goodness. Because you're Lord, you're King, and I want to bow the knee to even to you, even in the way I think. Can you do that today? Those of you who doubt, take your doubts to Jesus. He can handle them. He will handle them. And he'll help you to see the truth of who he is because of his resurrected life. So, church, by the work of the Holy Spirit, let's believe. Let's trust and let's obey the resurrected Savior today and always. And I would like to pray for us that we would grow in those areas. Holy Spirit, we're asking on behalf of ourselves, of our friends, our neighbors, folks in this room, folks who are listening online. Work in us that we'll believe, that we'll trust, and that we will obey the resurrected Savior. Again, we need you, Jesus, even in our belief. And Father, would you bring glory to yourself that even today, this Easter Sunday, there would be people, even in this room, people who are listening to this message today, that would for the first time believe. And for the first time, bring their doubts to you. And folks who for the first time would say, you know, I have believed this all my life, but I haven't lived in light of it, and now I want to. Lord, bring that about for your glory, for our good, and for the good of this community. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.